We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Father, we come this morning to open the Word of God and to see what it is that you want to teach us today, Lord. Lord, we've been going through the book of Second Peter and Lord, you've warned us. You've given Peter the words to encourage us, to strengthen us, to grow us, and to make us aware of things, Lord. And we ask this morning that you continue to put in our toolbox our understanding of false teachers. And Lord, we live in a time when there are many false teachings, false cults, and other things, Lord, that will distract us from the true Word of God. And we pray this morning, Lord, that our ears would be ready to hear and our eyes would be ready to see. And Lord, we know that in our ability, and in my ability, I can do nothing. But Father, as we open Your Word, I pray that it would be communicated clearly, accurately, and for Your glory, and for Your honor, and for Your purpose of making us more into the image of Christ. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, for those that are visiting, we've been working through the book of Second Peter. Uh, those that have been here are very aware of that. Um, this book has been an eye-opener to me and has helped me in trying to understand what it is uh, that Peter wants to communicate to us about false teachers in our day. Peter has written this book as a warning to Christians about heretical teachings and these false teachers that arose in his day and the false teachers that will arise in our day. And as we approach the finish line, as we prepare ourselves for the second coming of Jesus Christ, we will see massive amounts of people led astray by false teachers. And Peter wants to make sure that doesn't happen to us. And so he's going to begin to talk about these false teachers, draw for us pictures of what their false teachings look like and their destructive heresies. And so with that in mind, we can acknowledge that these false teachers exist. And the question is, what do they look like? Do they look like this? You know, they don't look like this picture with scary teeth and, and, and some kind of horns coming out of their head. They don't look that bad. Instead, they look sweet, they look nice, they look friendly. Their messages are enticing and they would look more like this. Literally a wolf in sheep's clothes. From afar, these teachers look harmless. On the surface, their teachings seem okay. Their doctrinal pages on their website, oh, they give you what you want. However, are those the tests that we've been given to apply from the Word of God to people? 
and their teachings. No, Scripture tells us there in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the conclusion of this passage is that there are only two areas in which we are to judge men, and that is truth and an error. Truth proceeds from the mouth of those who are born again, those who are children of God, but error proceeds out of the mouth of those that are born of Satan, children of Satan. This is what Peter is trying to diligently teach us and to show us this morning. And that's what these false teachers look like. There are so many teachers in our day. There are so many pastors that we can access with the media of our day. We can go online, we can type in one word, and we can find hundreds upon hundreds of sermons from teachers scattered all across America and across the world. And so how do we judge whether these men's hearts are of God? We have television, we have TBN, TCT, we have Daystar, the Church Channel, the Shepherd's Chapel, the Word Network, and on and on and on and on it goes. And so the question is, is how do we decipher whether these teachers are really true teachers of the Word of God or are they false prophets or false teachers? Most of the time, we can find out pretty easily if they are by what they teach. And we can compare it to the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying there's not godly men and women on TV who teach men and teach women. That's not my point. The question there lies in, what is it that we test these folks by? Because most of the time that we can find out, because there are plenty of people out there that simply want to know the truth, and you can find reviews on pastors and teachers and, 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 and all across the world of what they teach to simply testify if it's true or not. So let's begin to look at what Peter says here in his second chapter. The outline that we've been looking through, if you remember begins with, with chapter 1, verses uh, 2 to 11, as we look at avoiding false teachers by understanding uh, faith. I'm sorry the text is so small. If you've got bad eyesight, um, you can get a copy from me in my office. But avoiding false teachers by understanding our faith. Understanding our faith, if you remember in the person, that was Jesus Christ. Understanding our faith through power, that we've been given everything we need pertaining to life in godliness, so that we can live godly lives set apart for Christ. And understanding our faith through perseverance. As we grow, as we become more and more like Christ as we live out our Christian lives. And then we looked at the second part, chapter 1, verses 12 to 21, which deals with avoiding false teachers by understanding Scripture, the Word of God. And so we saw that there in chapter 1, verses 12 to 15, he begins to teach us, Peter begins to show us, that we can understand Scripture through repetition. And secondly, there in verses 16 to 21, understanding Scripture through inspiration, that the Word of God is God-breathed. God spoke through men, moved by the Holy Spirit. And then 
Now we come to the third part, chapter 2, verses 1 to 22, as we deal with avoiding false teachers by understanding false teachers. One of the best ways to understand a false teacher is to understand what false teachers look like. So we can begin to determine what that is. And so I've entitled this sermon, Understanding False Teachers Through Their Destructive Heresy. So let us begin this morning. If you will, turn with me to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 and 3. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 reads this, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even deny the Master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensualities, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgments from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. There are four points that I want you to take from this passage this morning. Are there more? Yes. There are many more. But four that I really want us to concentrate on this morning. And that is, number one, false teachers will be present. They will be present. Secondly, false teachers will be persuasive. And thirdly, false teachers will be profane. And last but least, false teachers will be pretenders. Now with those in mind, let us begin to exhort this passage into our heart this morning that we might gain some protection against these kinds of people. Number one, false teachers will be present. One of the most trickiest things the devil could ever convince you of is that false teachers do not exist. They don't exist in our day. They don't exist in the church today. And if you can be blind to that fact, you can be suckered in and duped into believing their teachings. You may be sitting here today saying to yourself, false teachers again, pastor? Come on, Peter. What are you doing? Well, remember, Peter is convinced that reiteration is vital in our understanding of the Word of God because remember, we as humans are very forgetful. And so, by way of reminder, He wants to stir us up. As He says in the first part of this verse, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be also false teachers among you. He starts with but. He is connecting us backwards to what previously took place. It's almost as he's saying, listen, while I understand that you understand your faith is through a person, through the power of Jesus Christ, through perseverance of the saints, while you have an understanding of Scripture through the necessity of repetition, reiteration, while you have an understanding of the Word of God, an understanding of the Scriptures through the inspiration of God that has been spoke by God to men, Knowing that the message is not given by men, but by God, the message has been given which is true, but false prophets also arose. 
He gives the truth in chapter 1, and now he begins to give the error in chapter 2. He is giving us two platforms, truth and error. Either it's true or it's false. There's no middle, there's no ifs, there is no ands or buts. It's either true or it's false. While you have truth, the false will or arose among you. Where are they coming from? Do we know? Does the Scripture tell us? Where are these false prophets coming from? Are they riding in on bikes with name tags that say elder? Are they knocking on your door with books trying to persuade you to get the Watchtower Society? Is that where they're coming from? Listen, while they will come after you in your home and while they will approach you on the street, that's not what this passage is speaking of. He says here, but false prophets also arose among you. They came from within. They come from within the church of God. They come from within the evangelical community that exists today across the world. They will rise up slowly, but surely right from within us. They are among believers. Because the Bible tells us that the wheat and the tare are mixed together. You see, I'm not really that scared that you will be brought down by a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, or the evolutionist. My concern is that we are tricked from within the doors of our very own church. That's my fear. I'm afraid that many may fall prey to those that will rise up with false teachings. Well, you say, that's not a problem we don't really have here. Because we don't really have people who are prophesying, who are saying, oh, this saith the Lord. God told me to tell you this. We don't have that problem in this church. But... I find it interesting that Peter uses two different Greek words as he describes false prophets and false teachers. He says, but false prophets also arose among the people. But then listen to what he says. Just as there will also be teachers, false teachers among you. Here, those people dealt with false prophets. pseudo prophetes. And here we will have to deal with those false prophets plus those false teachers. The pseudo deductalas. Two different words, two different meanings, two different ideas. They bring about the same thing, which is falsehood. Both are sent by God. One sent by God to proclaim a message from God. The other sent by God to proclaim the Word of God. But both doing it falsely. And Peter stresses they come from among our very selves. You know, Shane preached a message from the book of Jude several months ago. And if you recall, he spoke about verse 4. 
In verse 4, tells us that certain peoples have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long before marked out for His condemnation. And God saw these men. He knew what they would do. And they were marked out for condemnation prior. So please, don't be so blind in not understanding that they will be present even among our own church body. You see, it's from within these false teachers come. So it's very important that we test those who teach us. You know, I stand up here and teach you the Word of God every week. Why do you believe what I say? You should test what I say. You should hold it up against the Word of God to make sure that I'm not with an error because the reality is I'm not a perfect man. I could err. I try not to and I pray that I won't. But we need to test everything we're being told by the pastor, by the, by the, the Sunday school teachers, by individuals who, who try to convince you of something. We need to test it up against the Word of God. We need to make sure and understand that false teachers will be present so that we can be on alert. And Peter understands the trouble. He, Peter understands the trouble that Israel went through as they struggled with not falling to the gods of Baal and the false prophets that came in. And Peter knows just as much as they will come in their day, they will come in our day. And really Jesus told us this on the Mount of Olives, if you recall, as He was there teaching His disciples in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, at the latter part of verse 4, He says this in verse 4 and 5, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in My name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Don't be misled by false teachings of our day. Because those... False teachers who secretly introduce destructive heresies even deny the Master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves, he says in the second part of verse 1. They will bring about, it says, they will, they will, they will cause to happen, it says, destructive heresies. Now, as you read this at face value, what does it seem like it's saying? False teaching. That makes sense. But as we begin to study the, the original language, as we begin to study the Word of God, the Greek word for, for, uh, uh, the Greek word for heresies is heresies. And as I studied this word, God opened my mind and my eyes to see something that's, that's prevalent in our day and in our culture as we have this humanistic way of thinking as we elevate man's thought over the Word of God. It means more than some false teaching. While it can mean that, it means more than that. It means a sect or a group. If you remember the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you remember those groups? This gives the idea of a group. And really, if we're going to pinpoint the main idea, it means this. It's an opinion, a self-willed, a self-willed opinion that's placed over the Word of God. Destructive heresies. 
We live in a time where people feel a lot of different things. But their feelings sometimes are not subject to the Word of God. And sometimes what we feel in our human minds is not biblical. It's just a matter of time if you share your faith with somebody, they will say, well, I feel this way. I feel this way. It's an idea, a self-willed opinion that does not supersede the Word of God. I feel this is right. Let me ask you a question this morning. Why do you feel that that's right? That's the question that we have to ask people when we hear that. Well, I feel this. Why do you feel that? Do you have a biblical reason for feeling that way? These kind of self-willed opinions lead, listen, to destruction within the church of God. That's why it's important for preachers to preach the full counsel of the Word of God because if you or if I are simply living off of our self-willed opinions or feelings, then we may be the ones that create some sector group that lives and feeds off of some, um, some heretical opinion driven by some humanistic philosophy that will essentially divide the church of God between truth and between opinion. And many of it will cause young believers to be gullible and to buy into some heretical opinion that we hold. That's why it's important that our opinions are based off the Word of God. I don't know about you, but listen, that perks my ears up. I love preaching the Word of God. Because God's Word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and piercing as far as division and soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our own hearts. We want to know why we believe what we believe. It better be based off the Word of God. I learned something vital through this study. And that is if my opinion, if Stuart Guthrie's opinion, if your opinion is not rooted in the Word of God, if, 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 if we cannot believe the Word of God based off of our opinion, then we're in trouble. If it's not rooted in the Word of God, which remember is made more true than any experience that you've ever experienced, if we don't have the book, the chapter, the verse to express why we feel the way we feel, then we can easily fall into heresies that end up being destructive. We can easily begin to accumulate people with our own ideas that develop groups, sects, cliques within the church of God. And then we can become the very false teachers that this passage is talking about. And so it's vital that we understand, that we read, that we study, that our philosophy, our worldviews are based off of the Word of God and not the culture in which we live or based off of your or my opinion. It's vital. It's 
So are we going to cling to this? Opinion? Or are we going to hold fast to this? The Word of God. We must make sure that we hold fast to this Word, this truth that Peter has expressed is the very breath of God. Because if we fail to do, if we fail and we simply live off of our opinions, it may be that someday you or I will even deny the Father who bought us You may fail to submit your life to a sovereign God and to the teaching of His very Word. All because of some prideful opinion that's based off of your own analysis and placed over the Word of God. It says this kind of thing will bring swift destruction among ourselves upon us. So we must understand that false teachers, number one, will be present. That's important. But we also need to remember, secondly, false teachers will be persuasive. Remember, false teachers are crafty. They're very crafty. The Bible tells us that this road which uh, they have leads to destruction... It's much wider and many are those who find it, the Bible says. Peter says many will follow their sensualities and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. The reason that I said that they would be persuasive is because here we see that it says many will follow them. Many will follow them. Why do do people follow teachers? Because their opinions persuaded them to do so. Why do people follow false teachers? Because their opinions are crafty, they're good, they're they're wise myths and tales that sound good on the surface, but biblically they are heretical. Not only do they follow them, they act like them. They follow their lifestyle of sensuality. Now, this word sensuality, I think in the context, means sexual things, sexual behavior that's not taken care of, it's just out of hand. And people do the very same things that they do. I like the old saying that says, trash in is trash out. If I listen to heretical teaching all day, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about heretical teaching. You are what you eat. Fault in is fault out. And we are beginning to see a great picture that Peter is, de, is, de, is, is drawing a portrait of a false teacher. We know that they cause division based off of opinions or false teachings. They are persuasive. They're usually very popular because many follow them. And they will see they have to have uncontrollable sensualities. Now listen, we can have false teachers that don't have uncontrollable sensualities. It's just a picture of what one can look like. 
But you know, I get to thinking, what does that look like in our day? And I can't help but, but think of the movement that's taken place that's allowed just about anybody to enter the pulpit and preach the Word of God while they tarry in their sensuality. Now we don't know what kind of sensualities it doesn't say, but what we do know is that it's indecent conduct. You know, sin has a way of drawing people to itself. Even believers, let us not think more highly of ourselves, even as pastors and elders and leaders in the church, to think that we can't fall prey to sin, temptation, sexual conduct, because we can. Moral failure, failure is just as huge within the body of Christ as it is outside the body of Christ. And we see pastors failing all the time because of moral failure in their lives. Now listen, a pastor can be a godly man, can preach the Word of God and still fall to moral failure. So let us not judge a false teacher based off of his moral failures. But it is a picture of what one can look like. Listen to what the Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Ephesians 5.11 Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. James 1.13-15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, that I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. And the reason I say that is when you're tempted, don't, don't blame it on God. Blame it on the devil. And even more so, our own lust. Because He finishes, but each one is tempted when He, when he is carried away and enticed by His own lustful desires. Then when lust has conceived, when that lust is conceived, what happens then? It's just like a pregnancy. A woman conceives a baby. She grows, she grows, she grows. And next thing you know, there she blows. And we got a little baby. Same with sin. We take in the lust. We grow and we grow and we grow. And the next thing you know, what? We have moral failure. He says it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. False teachers are sinful, and their ways are desirable, and that's why they are persuasive. And don't fall into the trap. You have a great picture that Peter has drawn about the false teachers. And so Peter again says many will follow their sensualities, and because of, the, of them, the way of truth will be maligned. The truth will be maligned. What, what is that referring to? Well, that's where we come to point number three. False teachers, thirdly, will be profane. Not only will they be pr present, not only will they be persuasive, they will be profane. 
And to malign the truth is simply to profane the truth, to curse it, to blaspheme against the way of the truth. Good doctrine they profane. Isn't that the model that we see coming from Satan in the beginning of this Bible that we read? He wants to undermine the human race, just like He wants to undermine our churches across America and across the world. We aren't going to just let false teachers come in knowingly. At least, I don't think our leadership would allow that. Because we're watching, we're listening, we're paying attention to what's being spoke of and what's being taught and the thoughts and the ideas that go out. And so, Satan wants to undermine us from within our own body. Because we are easily fooled by people we love and care for. They would never lie to us. Well, listen, if they don't know any better, they don't know any better. If they're being taught by false teachers and some other source outside of church, we don't know. We have to be careful. God told Adam and Eve, from any tree they may freely eat. And Satan undermined the Word of God. And in our day, False teachers will undermine the Word of God to push forward their agenda, which is not biblical. The devil is trying his best to undermine us in our relationship with Christ, in us, in our relationship with the church. He's profaning biblical doctrines and that is a mark of a false teacher. Not only are these false teachers profane, these number four false teachers will be pretenders. They will be pretenders. Another word for pretender can be what? It can mean false. Another word for pretender can mean fake. But this fits the description of a false teacher. Peter says, in their greed they will exploit you with false words. They will exploit you with false words because of greed. The first thing we see here is that they have a greed for money. A desire for money. They seek your money. They want your money. Verse 14 in this chapter tells us that these teachers have, have a trained heart in greed. This is just another picture for us to put in our toolbox to spot a phony, false teacher. Now I've watched some TV preachers to judge whether they are false or true for the betterment of people. And let me tell you, I'm not saying every television evangelist is erroneous, but let me tell you, there are some out there that will speak sweetly to you to try to gather your money. 
for the kingdom of God. Oh, you call in right now and give us your money. We'll give you a prayer call that's been blessed by the Lord. You do this and we'll do that. You send your money and God will bless you today. And poor people fall into these phony teachers sending every bit of money they have expecting a blessing from God. Listen, God blesses when we give, but He doesn't guarantee to give us anything in return. He may want us to experience poorness so that we can rely on Him because it's not until we're poor that we truly can rely on God. Some of the lowest times in my life is when I had nothing that God was so clear and spoke so clearly to me in my life experiences and showed up and not only did He show up, He showed out. Don't buy into these pretenders. They promise to give you something in return. Listen, God calls us all to give. But you know what? He owns it all. We have this idea where we're going to give 10%. Listen, God owns it all. I'm going to give God His 10%. I'm going to keep my 90%, right? No, it's God's 100%. And He asks us to give us 10%. And that's what we do out of obedience. And God blesses us through those things. There is a place to talk about tithing. There is a place to ask people for help. As a missionary, a full-time missionary, I have to raise support. It's one of the village mission's requirements. One of the worst things I hate doing is asking people for money. But the reality is there is a place and a time for people to ask for money. And we have godly people, John MacArthur, Carl Brogy, John Piper, that say, hey, listen, if you'll support this ministry, we'll send you a book. That's okay. Now don't get me wrong, there is a place and a time for those things. But these pretenders, they say in their false words to try to persuade you as pretenders. You know, when I went to Israel, there I stood in the Holy Sepulchre. And as you walk in the front door, there where they claim Jesus Christ was buried, where He was buried there or not, I don't know. But it's a beautiful place. It's a great place to go and reflect on, on Jesus Christ and His death on the cross and His burial and His resurrection. But as you walk in the front door of the Holy Sepulchre, if you've ever been there, you know it. You've seen it. It's still there in the same place. There's this big marble or rock or whatever it is bed that lays on the floor. And they say, this is where Jesus was dressed before He was placed to the tomb. And so people come in that front door and they fall all over that thing. They go down there and kiss it after 4,000 people have already kissed it, gaining what kind of diseases, who knows. They come, they take their shirts off, they roll it around on there, they put it back on. People bring in shopping bag after shopping bag after shopping bag of these crosses that they sell to people so that they can receive a blessing and they lay it on there and they flip it around and they put it back in the bag. Let me tell you, that's a bunch of phony junk. Don't buy into it. They will exploit you with their false words trying to gain their own very greed. Now listen, I'm not saying it's wrong for a pastor to be rich, but we got a lot of rich pastors in our world today 
Money coming out of their ears. Why do they need all that money? I don't know. Maybe God wants them to have it. That's between them and God. But I can tell you, I get skeptical when I hear people all the time asking for money, 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 money. Be, be careful. Because they will exploit you with their false words. You may have been tricked this morning. You may go, Pastor, thanks for telling me that now. I sent $5,000 last month. Well, let me tell you what. That's okay. You forgive them. You forgive them because let me tell you why. It says right here, their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Whose judgment? Those false teachers that will be present in those days and in our days that cause division by self-willed opinions that's placed over the Word of God. Those that cause destructive heresies. Whose judgment? Those false teachers that will be persuasive, that will draw many into their sexual perversions as they fill the pulpit with their false teaching and their sexual perversions. Those false teachers that will be profane, that will curse the very Word of God, or they will place over their opinions over the Word of God in the same as cursing it. And they will blaspheme the Word and the way of the truth. And this, finally, the judgment for these false teachers will be those that are pretenders that will exploit you with false words to gain your pocketbook. Persuading others for their desire to feed their greed for money. This judgment is not idle. It's still accumulating today as they live and as they teach and still in effect, so to speak, that it's just a matter of time before the Lord of Lord bursts through those clouds and destruction itself will be poured upon them. He's coming back. Don't miss that He is coming back. And He will return. And that day will be absolutely wonderful for those who are in Christ, but it will be absolutely terrifying to those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. The one that pours out destruction will return. His eyes do not rest. He does not sleep But He is always there. He knows everything. He knows the heart of every single man, woman, and child. And so we are called to keep our eyes open and watch to see if those that we learn from are above reproach. If what they're teaching is true, and we need to ask ourselves the very question of this, do I personally have any hint of these things? Do I have opinions that are based over the Word of God? Do I try to persuade people without the Word of God? Do I profane the Word of God by my opinions? And do I act like a pretender as if it doesn't really seem like it's error for the purpose of drawing people in for money or whatever? The Bible says they will be judged. Their judgment will come. It's not our responsibility to judge those men or those women. It's God's responsibility. 
So in order to understand false teachers, we must understand their destructive heresies. And when we begin to grow in our faith, when we begin to acknowledge, listen, the truth of God's words, when false stuff comes in, listen to me, look up here, it will make you nauseated. It will make you sick to your stomach when you hear false teachings. And that's where we need to be. We need to be so consumed with the truth of God that when something in error comes out of somebody's mouth, we get sick to our stomach. Because we live in a time and in a culture oh, when there's so many erroneous ideas and thoughts and people trying to persuade there is no God. Oh, you know... It's, it's, it's hard to hold the tongue back sometimes when error pours out. I like to say sometimes I can't hear people speaking because their actions are killing me. Their actions, our actions, how we live, what we do, the things we say, dictate what we teach. And when we teach something and it doesn't match up to the way we live, boy, we look like Crazy people. And listen, when you share the gospel with people, you'll hear that. Oh, you want me to come to church? Well, what about Joe? He goes to church and he's a he's a he's a heretic. He goes to church. I don't want to be a part of that. The way we live our lives affects those who live around us. When we have to make sure that our tongue doesn't participate in destructive heresies. Peter wants to protect. Shepherds want a shield. Leaders want to look after. All of them desiring to take care of the flock of God. If any leader tells you that the book you're reading is not safe, I would encourage you to trust them. If, if one of these leaders in this church say, brother or sister, that small group that you're desiring to teach, that curriculum is not biblical, it's got error, and the teacher who's behind it is false, I would encourage you to listen to them. They have no agenda other than protecting the flock of God. Lean on the leaders that have been given to this church that God has placed over for your protection. They are responsible for what intake you have in this church. And so until you're able to discern good, sound, healthy doctrine, lean on these men to help you understand why it's not truth or why it is true. Until you have been trained up, grown in your faith, no longer at the, in the crib, no longer at the table, but in the kitchen. Some of you are going, what are you talking about? This is a sermon a while back. But until you are able to discern from yourself, rely on these leaders in this church, they understand the Word of God well, or they wouldn't be leaders. 
The shepherd is there for your protection. And that's why he carries a staff. The word of God. Peter wants us to understand that they exist. And so we need to be prepared. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning.